Good morning, Twin Cities, and good morning, Pet Appreciators. Welcome to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good to be spending Sunday morning with you, and great to have Dr. Nicole back. Uh, she's with us uh, today. So happy to have you back, Dr. Nicole, although I bet you miss being in Florida. <laughs> it definitely was nice most of the days there. Yep, when I, when I left, it was about 79 degrees and beautiful and sunny, but there actually was one night when it was 38 degrees and pretty cold, but nothing compared to what you guys were dealing with here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that is unusual, 38 in Florida. Where were you in Florida? Yeah, in Orlando. Orlando, yeah. And you were there for yeah. conferences, which I was telling um, the pet appreciators last week. Um, Jason Rice was on from the John Bear Grease Sled Dog Marathon, and he was our guest. And But um, I had mentioned to everybody that you were you know, at a conference, and so I'm so excited here later on in the show to learn more about that and what that was all about and what new stuff you learned, and and um, hopefully there's lots of stuff that you can share with us. But um, but welcome back, and welcome everybody to the, the Pet Connection Show. As you know, I love to get updates from Dr. Nicole about the foster dogs, um, not necessarily, well, foster dogs, but also the dogs in her, in her rescue, Tough Start. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that there's a dog named Petrie um, who has gone through so much. But last I heard, he was doing very well, although that was a couple weeks ago. So do you mind, Dr. Nicole, just filling us in? I'm so cute. Is he ready for – I mean, I'm so curious. And is he ready for adoption here pretty soon, or, or what's the scoop with, with little Petrie? Yep, yep. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he's doing very, very well. Um, he's about 30 pounds now, which is just – shocking and amazing to me. I sometimes look at him and kind of can't believe my eyes because he came to us when he was eight pounds. And, you know, he probably right now should be, um, you know, 50, 60 pounds if he had grown like a normal shepherd because he's about seven months old. Um, but he is just phenomenal. I mean, he is just a moose, like no longer looks skinny. You know, he's just doing great. So um, he is now tolerating kind of spoon feeding. So I'll take a can of food and I give him like, um, you know, like a tablespoon size, like a meatball um, scoop at a time, and he tolerates that just fine. So we haven't really had to use the blender to blenderize the dry food um, in quite a while. He was with my good friend uh, Laura, and she's with our rescue too, and um, he, she had him while I was in Florida, um, and he did really well. Um, so, yeah, he, I think he's ready. I mean, we're, we're going to neuter him eventually here. I just kind of wanted him to... Um, keep his hormones <laughs> as long as possible because I thought maybe that would help him grow um, a little bit better too. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is soon going to be available for adoption and I just kind of can't believe it, but he's doing great. I kind of can't believe it either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. When was his surgery again? Was that November or December? It was December 5th. So, you know, he's you know, not maybe even getting months. close to two months out, but he's just a wild maniac now. I mean, he just, yep. You'd never know anything was wrong with him aside from the fact that, you know, he has to eat a special, somewhat special way, but really it's not that much work. You know, it's nothing like having to blenderize it twice a day. I mean, now the fact that he can tolerate, um, you know, canned food in the spoon-fed type of fashion makes it so much easier. Oh, no kidding. I, I just can't believe it's been... Okay, let me rephrase this. I can't believe that he's made that much progress in such short a time. That's really right, amazing. His, his um, weight on the day of surgery was like 12 pounds. And if you remember correctly, we had tried to get him to gain weight like constantly with his feeding tubes. And, um, and he just was struggling so much with having reflux so badly that, I mean, I met him on October 12th and he was 8 pounds then. And so if you think about it took us two months to try to get him to gain weight, just back and forth into different ER clinics and hospitalizations and things like that. And, you know, he finally gained up to 12 pounds and we felt like, okay, that was enough to take him to surgery. And now, you know, since, since his surgery date, he went from 12 to 30 pounds. I mean, every wow. couple of days he gains a few pounds. <laughs> Cheering for you, Petrie. Way to go. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like, um, you know, to bring joy, you know, there's nothing like a, a puppy, especially who's overcome so much. And, you know, it's, it's, he probably doesn't even know that he was struggling. You know what I mean? Because right. he didn't, he didn't know any other life but to struggle. And yet, you know, now, now that things are, you know, so much smoother for him and he's healing and his, you know, his, um, 
oh, I don't know the medical terms, but you know, he's, he's repaired, so to speak. It, um, it's amazing. You know, he must have so much joy, you know, to share with everybody and to just so much joy for life. Right. Yep. He's a happy dude. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Way to go, Petrie. We're cheering for you. You know, we're also <laughs> cheering for everybody. And I haven't looked yet. Pet appreciators, maybe you have. But, you know, it's the start of the John Bear Grease Sled Dog Marathon today, you know, for the, the well, actually all the races except for the, the, the small cub one or whatever that was yesterday or last weekend or whatever, uh, just for the young kids. But it's got to be really cold up there. And, um, and, and as I was mentioning earlier, Jason Rice, who was on the board for a very long time with the John Bear Grease Sled Dog Marathon, you know, he was on the board for that. And he would always come on every year and, and, you know, talk to us and tell us everything. And I'd always learn something new. But this year he was not on the board. He's going to, he's a musher. And it was one of his long term goals. He has a lot of goals on his bucket list. He was telling me. And I don't think he shared them all on the on the air here, but one of them was to do the, you know, the full marathon, and that starts today. And um, he's been training and, and practicing and learning, etc. And um, we're cheering for you, Jason. I'm sure he's uh, on the back of his sled right now, or whatever, on his sled or whatever in the back of the the pack. And I don't know if he's made it to the starting line yet, but we're cheering for him. And um, and I know I'm going to go online here and kind of get the update, but it's got to be really cold up there. And I know that they take significant precautions, you know, with the dogs and the mushers. So I'll be curious to see how things are going up there. But um, Dr. Nicole, I know that that one of your very good friends is married to a musher as well. And I know he's won the sled dog, uh, you know, John Berry sled dog marathon in, in the past. I don't know if he's racing this year. Are you aware? Ryan, I believe he is. Yep, Ryan Anderson. Anderson, right? Ryan Anderson? Yep. 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 Okay. And it's, it's just so exciting for, for many of the mushers because a lot of them want to go on to the Iditarod. And so, um, you know, this is obviously a pre-qualifier for that. So we're just cheering for everybody and, and stay safe. And we're cheering for those mutts. I, I remember last year going up there. I took Sunday off and I, and I drove up to Duluth and got there at the start, you know, at the start of the race. And I just stood there right there, you know, right where they line up at front row seats, although, of course, you're standing. And um, I, the excitement was unbelievable. The dogs could hardly wait to go. And and I mentioned last week, too, on air, just how much um, interaction, you know, the, the mushers have with the dogs right before the race and the touching and the cuddling and the, the whispering in their ear and, you know, get, trying to get everybody focused and calm down. And, and Jason said, you know, the, you know, the mushers do that not just for the dogs but for themselves as well. And um, it was just really, it was just so exciting watching all of that. And, and uh, I just hope everybody has a great, great race. And I hope everybody has a really safe race as well with these really cold temperatures. But anyways, um, one more announcement I wanted to make, Pet Appreciators. If you are at all uh, traveling to New York City, you know, I was reading that the American Kennel Club is going to reopen their dog museum. They, it used to be in New York City, and then in 1987, they moved it um, somewhere in, in, in to, to Missouri. Some I'm not quite sure where in Missouri, but somewhere. And now they're moving it back, and it's set to reopen in February. It sounds pretty cool if you're really into dogs. Um, but again, it's the, the muse, Museum of Dog, really, the American Kennel Club Dog Museum, reopening in February on Park Avenue in New York City. Um, of course, there's the usual paintings and sculptures and a library filled with great literature. Um, but but now, and I'm glad to see this because so many mu- museums are doing this too, but they're adding more of a techie digital, digital area as well. And I think that will help keep, you know, and draw young people, you know, into the museums as well. And, and I'm excited about that. Um, their statement, which I really liked, and I just wanted to, to share it with you, but it says the the American Kennel Club Museum of the Dog is devoted to the collection, preservation, exhibition, and interpretation of the art, artifacts, and literature of the dog for purposes of education, historical perspective, aesthetic enjoyment, and the knowledge of the significance of the dog and human canine relationship. And I just think that's great. It just sounds, you know, it's more than just paintings, even though I love paintings. I love art. If you know me, I just love art. But, um, but, um, I was just happy to, to to read that statement. It seems pretty 
pretty comprehensive. And, you know, I always think of, and so does Dr. Nicole, and I'm sure all of you as well, and think of dogs and the relationships and, and their history and what they mean to us and, and our relationship and what they mean to us in society. You know, it was very comprehensive. And that, to me, would be a, a well-worth trip. If, you, if you're heading to New York City, that would be a well-worth place to go and visit. Um, for sure. Although it doesn't say anything about the history of veterinary medicine. I was just thinking about that, Dr. Nicole. Is there a museum or, or someplace like that or maybe a, a university, um, you know, a, a, met, a vet school that has, you know, sort of a museum type atmosphere or room or space or whatever for the mm. history of veterinary medicine? That's come a long way. I, I feel like there. And I could be very off base, but I feel like years ago I thought there was something similar to that at the University of Minnesota, but I, I could be very wrong in that. Um, trying to think where that would have even been. Uh, but I know, I feel like when I was an undergrad, I feel like when we toured the vet school, I swear that there was something like that there, but, um, but I certainly don't remember them, you know, seeing it in any of my years working you know, at the VMC, but it wouldn't have been in that building. It probably would have been in one of the other buildings. So um, I'm not sure on that. I might, you know, be able to look that up on the break, but yeah, I guess I'm not sure. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's just, I mean, from the sounds of it, it sounds like more it's for vet students, maybe not so much for the public, but I don't know. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm not sure. All right. So I am Dying to find out about what what you were doing. I have no idea what the topic was um, in Orlando at the veterinarian conference, but I'm dying to hear about it and anxious to learn anything that you want to pass on to, to me and the Pred Appreciators. But we are going into commercial break, so please stay with us, everybody. You know how it is with vacuum cleaners. You buy them, you break them, then you throw them away, right? Well, not necessarily. Often, fixing your vacuum can be cheaper than replacing it. Ever heard of A1 Vacuum in Roseville? They offer free estimates. So if you wish your vacuum worked like new again, drop by. A1 Vacuum is ready to help clean up your vacuum cleaner act. Find us at a-1vacuum.com or call 651-222-6316. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can save money with all-energy solar. One of the myths about solar is that it's too expensive and you need lots of money down. The truth? Solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for solar, you might even save money right away on a monthly basis. So don't wait to switch. You'll see your investment pay off the sooner you switch to all-energy solar. So start saving today and visit allenergysolar.com. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Waking up is easy when you look forward to breakfast. Serve seven days a week at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul. Try eggs your way with hash browns, bacon, or sausage. There are four delicious varieties of eggs benedict that should not be missed. And buttermilk pancakes, waffles, or French toast are always fresh off the griddle. How about a Bloody Mary or screwdriver from the bar? The Downtowner Woodfire Grill is located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. 
Food nourishes us. We need food to live. But how are we nourishing the food system? Well, actually, we're throwing a bunch of chemicals, and we're making the dirt dead, and then we're adding nitrates to the water, and we're causing dead zones in the ocean. Oh, and we're also causing climate change. We do that with every bite we eat. But we can create something different. We can switch to a regenerative system. And that's what we talk about every week on Food Freedom Radio. So tune to Food Freedom Radio Saturdays at 8 a.m. or anytime via podcast. Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. with us pet appreciators and i hope you're having a good sunday and what a cold sunday we're having today that's for sure and it looks like we're going into some really dangerous weather here going into the week at least the beginning part of the week i know dr nicole i'm near the end of the show we'll just go over a quick reminder about what to look for in frostbite you know how fast it can happen what parts of the body you know are most susceptible or, or vulnerable to frostbite um and again we'll do that near the end of the show um you know just in case you want to grab a pen and a paper at that time and, and make sure you can you know keep yourself informed on what to look for and that kind of thing but for now I'd love to hear about what conference it was uh, Dr. Nicole what were you there for just general or more specific tell us all about it Sure so um it's an annual conference in Orlando um, it used to be called the NAVC, but now it's called the VMX, like the Veterinary Meeting Expo. Um, I don't know the, the actual exact numbers on attendance, but I know I think within the past couple of years, years they estimated, you know, 15 to 20,000 veterinarians, veterinary technicians, office managers, and then, you know, um, drug rep companies and, you know, any, anything like that. Um, so huge, huge conference. Um, there were several, you know, maybe 10 or so hotels um, within a couple, like a mile or two of the convention center. It's at the Orange County Convention Center, which is just huge. Um, and so, you know, the hotels booked up so fast because, like I said, there are thousands and thousands of people attending. Um, and so, you know, you got up and um, you had options of, you know, you, you could start lectures at 6.30 a.m. actually if you wanted. They're, they were the early morning sessions, and then the latest sessions ended, um, like, right around 6.30 p.m. So if you really wanted to, you could do 12 hours of, you know, classes basically all day. Um, and so I never made it to any of the 6.30 a.m. classes, um, but I did start at 8 every day and kind of went toward um, until 6.30, so kind of exhausting, but um, did learn a lot. And, you know, there are shuttles kind of shuttling you back and forth to your hotels. Um, every night, you know, there is a, some type of entertainment, you know, whether they had Little Big Town, which is a country band that was there. Um, and then, you know, they had, um, I'm trying to think who was the first, trying to even think, I'm, oh, they had um, Rob Lowe was there. Um, the first night, you know, doing a talk and, you know, there's just a variety of other kind of celebrity type of um, groups um, and all of that is covered by your conference fee, um, you know, you're fed throughout the day, things like that, but, and you, you have options, there's like, I think there are options for 1,200 different, you know, continuing education credits um, and one lecture is about 50 minutes or so and that counts as one CE credit. Um, if you went to ones that were an hour and a half, you obviously got an hour point or 1.5 um, hours of credit. And then certainly they have little mini sessions for like um, quick, kind of like your quick and dirty, this is what you need to know, this is what you do. And those were like 25-minute sessions or so, and then you earned a quarter of a, a credit. So in Minnesota, you need 40 credits every two years in order to renew your license. Um, and I'm usually always talking to specialists and always, you know, learning and, and researching. And so I wish some of that just counted toward my CE <laughs> credits, but um, certainly doesn't. And I'm such a busy person that I'm almost always needing to go to a conference so that I can get a lot at one setting. <laughs> sure. um, but I ended up getting like, I think, 34 um, credits and um, learned a ton. I mean, you know, you go, you pick your lectures. You can go to, you know, there's several different halls where, you know, maybe one speaker is talking about feline kidney disease, whereas the other one is talking about, um, you know, what's what's the latest in cancer treatment in dogs. And, you know, there are just hundreds of sessions. Um, and so I just kind of 
you know, went through every night and kind of chose my itinerary for the next day and um, just went through and, you know, you can get all the notes um, online. Um, it, it was just really, really great. So I don't, I can't really share like exact things that I learned because they're very specific things, you know, about, you know, in, when you're treating kidney disease, you know, if this value is below this, you're going to add in this medication. And now there's thought that you might add in this medication at this dose. So there's really not a lot of like generalized things that I can share, but um, it definitely was a great experience. Um, you know, ran into a lot of friends that I went to vet school with on the island. So that was always fun. Um, even saw a lot of people from Minnesota, you know, that, um, that I didn't even know were there. So it was a great time. Um, I was tired, but I also, uh, got to take a nap in the sunshine right before my flight left for about an hour and a half. So that was good. That felt good. Yeah. (laughs) So what were some of the topics though that you, were you more, you know, looking for things with, with cats, I, I mean, and, or dogs and where was, yeah, what was your sort of priorities? What were you mostly interested in? Well, I always gravitate toward everything feline. <laughs> um, I obviously love my, my dogs and my canine patients, um, but I definitely would say that I'm a cat doctor at heart for sure. And so if there's anything new, you know, in those, you know, categories, I always usually will choose those first. Um, you know, so lectures on, you know, feline diabetes and what's new and things like that. Um, you know, certainly there were a lot of lectures that I went to on like seizures and dogs and things like that. You know, if there were any new um, new studies or, you know, new medications, new dosages, new protocols using diets and things like that. So um, certainly just kind of went through the day and I tried to I tried to split it up as much as I could, of course, between, you know, feline and canine. Um, there were also one thing that was kind of nice this year at this conference is, um, you know, there's a lot of of um, studies and, and just a lot of sadness, you know, um, talking about the field of veterinary medicine and how, you know, veterinarians are about four times more likely to take their own lives than other professions, which is very, very sad. Um, and so are you this kidding me? incorporated a lot of um, kind of well-being and health type of topics. Um, there was a lecture called I'm Fine, The Biggest Lie We Tell Ourselves, you know, about you know, how to tips for managing stress and like what we can do to support each other as veterinarians and things like that. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention is there's always a huge expo hall. I mean, it's just huge. And there are drug reps from, you know, across, excuse me, across the country, um, you know, selling their products and things like that. But this year they actually had um, a couple of those well-being booths where they had, you know, a, a large room, um, and it was called Pilates with puppies. And so you could go and do Pilates and there were puppies running all over the place. It was just so cute. Like, adorable. Um, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't do that, but I, I watched and I took pictures. I'm sure the people doing Pilates were like, Oh, great. Thanks everybody for taking our picture. But, um, it was real cute. And then they had, um, the cat nap cafe. So you had this little area where you could go and sit on these comfy couches and play with kittens like in between, in between your sessions and, and all of the animals at the end of the conference would be available for adoption. So that was really cool. I think that was a big stress reliever for, for veterinarians, especially those of us that are away from our pets and, you know, really missed our pets and things like that. And it was cool just to, to look around. Everyone's just sitting there, you know, smiling, watching this. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little um, twist that they did this year. No kidding. Um, but I want to go back to the sad part. Nicole, I'm shocked. Oh, yeah, I know. A lot of people, oh, I seriously? don't know that, but it's real crazy. Yeah. I want to talk more about that. Not an awful lot because it's so sad, but I'm shocked. Right. I mean, I just like, yeah, I was going to like ask the engineer, did she say that? You know, I'm like, was it? Yeah. Did I really hear that? It is. Yeah. But I, yeah, yep. I, I want to, I want to know more about it. This is just such news to me, Dr. Nicole. Pet, appreciate, pet appreciators, please stay with us through the break.
Rudy Luther Toyota has a great selection of new vehicles, but Rudy Luther is also one of the largest volume Toyota certified used vehicle dealers in the country. They have better prices than many non-certified dealers, and they offer a 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty, feature incredibly low interest rates, and all their vehicles go through a comprehensive inspection and reconditioning process. And right now, they're paying top dollar for your trade-in, even if you don't buy from them. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. I'm Steve Conklin. And I'm Jake DeRoff. We're the hosts of the Mortgage Talk Show, Sundays at 1230. Every week we bring you insights on home financing, discussing rates, programs, local and national news. Whether you're buying your first home or your hundredth home, we have tips and inside information to save you money and feel like a mortgage master. Check us out for more information and email us any questions at mortgagetalkshow.com. Tune in to the Mortgage Talk Show every Sunday at 1230 on AM 950. Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our secret animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan, LLP, rewriting the odds for their clients for over 80 years. We are awake. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today we could see snow with a high near 8. Tonight there could be more snow with a low around 3. Tomorrow mostly cloudy with a high near 9. Tuesday partly sunny with a high near negative 8. And Wednesday partly sunny with a high near negative 14. Moe's Tax Service has been working for you, not the IRS, since 1971. They're located in Highland Park in St. Paul and are one of the largest sites that electronically files taxes in the country. Call 612-721-2026 or visit moestax.com. Welcome back, Pet Appreciators. Welcome back to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Kathy Menard here, your host, along with our wonderful co-host, Dr. Nicole Peralt, sharing with us over the last segment um, just general stuff about the the conference she was at for veterinarians. But there was one thing that she said shocked me, and that veterinarians have a very high rate of, I'm afraid to say it. Did I hear I you right? So sad. Yeah. yeah. You say it. I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong. I can't believe it. Oh, well, no, it, it is. I think in the past, oh, I don't know the stats. There's lots and there's just tons of articles that are always circulating, circulating around about this. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, they are, they are saying that veterinarians are 3.5, I think, to four times more likely than any other profession um, for, for suicide, you know, to commit suicide. So um, that's why I think this year they really, really, really wanted to focus um, on offering, like, you know, mental health and well-being sessions and things like that. Um, and I think the, the main reasons are, you know, because, you know, you go into this field, you know, you're, you're, you're a perfectionist, you're a type A personality, you know, you do well in school, you know, you're used to, 
you're used to succeeding and um and you go there because you love animals, you know, but but in the real world, which I think a lot of us never knew, um it's it's really stressful. I mean, it is really stressful, you know, like um and I I always fully tell my family that I would never ever ever do anything to myself. And my mom always yells at me in her funny little way because I I would say to her cuz I would never trust anyone to take care of my animal. <laughs> And she's like, that's terrible. I was like, well, she goes, what about your family? I'm like, well, that too. I would never do that to you. But, you know, so I just want to say that I'm completely fine. But um, it is something that a lot of people worry about because there are such, you know, high cases of, of job burnout. You know, even, you know, Thursday or Thursday morning I get back, you know, and I'm, I got back Wednesday night at, I think I got to my house at like 10.30 p.m. and had to work early in the next morning. Um, and one of my first appointments, I think, um, you know, just happened to be this woman with an eight-year-old dog who had really bad dental disease. And, um, you know, she basically was just saying that, you know, for the cost of getting her dog's teeth cleaned, she could go out and buy five more dogs. And oh. it's like, it's, it's just like my first appointment back. And I was like, I said, and I wish I would have said something like, yeah, you know, but you have to remember that, you know, these, they're not cars, you know, but and she said, I don't, I don't want to sound heartless. I said, no, but I said, but then you would get those dogs and then they would need their teeth cleaned too. I said, it's just what happens when you have small breed dogs. Anyway, so she went through and is going to have the dental procedure because the dog's teeth were terrible, but it just, it does eat at you slowly throughout the day. And like your next appointment could be somebody where, you know, like you, Kathy, I say, okay, I think we should do this. You're like, absolutely. Let's do it. You know, and it makes my job not fun, but it makes me, I'm doing what I went to school for. I'm, I'm using, you know, I'm using tests to guide me to try to find what's wrong. And I'm using my brain and all the things that, that they taught us to do to practice really good medicine. And so then the next appointment might be, you know, a a wonderful family with a brand new puppy and everybody's so happy and it's just the best appointment ever. And then the next room, you know, is an end of life decision. It's like, there's just up and down and all over the place and you know it's like for 10 hours of that it's grueling (laughs) you know it's not I think a lot of people think that it's um you know you're seeing puppies and kittens all day long and you're just like snuggling them and there are days where it's like that but then there are days where people you know they leave their dogs outside in the cold and they don't even vaccinate them for rabies or they don't stay and neuter them because they just don't think it's something they want to spend money on you know or like like my example of not doing the dental procedure because she could buy five more dogs for that cost. That's just, yeah. So I think a lot of that is um, a big reason. And then certainly with social media, I think it's become worse because, you know, if someone is upset or something that happened with their pet, I mean, the very first thing people do is they go right to the internet and they bash, you know, they can bash the veterinarian so hard. And then there's like a, I mean, it's like a gang. I mean, it's a bullied gang of just people just attacking when really they don't even have all their facts most of the time, you know? So it's, it's kind of a sad, it's a, it's a sad world right now that we live in. But um, the nice thing, you know, for veterinarians and there are other professions that I'm sure are exactly like this. I think any profession where you're caring for someone, um, whether it's animals or people, um, and you have to deal with a lot of sad situations is probably around the same statistic, sadly. But um, I think the other things, uh, you know, veterinarians have access to to drugs and things like that, which is a scary thing. And that's why it's so important for practices to have protocols in place. You know, you have your drugs locked away um, and only certain people are allowed to access it. But again, as a veterinarian, you do have access. You have legal access to that stuff. So, um, and then, you know, I... The nice thing, I kind of got off on a tangent, but the nice thing now is that there is a group called Not One More Vet. Um, and I think it was started primarily after um, veterinarian Sophia Yin had committed suicide. She was such a bright, wonderful, happy person. She did a lot with animal behavior and things like that. And so I think it like shocked the world, you know, when that happened to her because she was seemingly such a bubbly, happy person. Um, and so after that, um, they had started groups on Facebook. So, you know, there are tens of thousands of, of vets, you know, on this group called Not One More Vet. And so if people are having, 
um, you know, a crisis, they'll post there. Um, and now it's set up as a nonprofit. So there might be money set aside for them to fly somebody out to go pick this person up and they take care of them in their home. And, you know, it's, it's a, a great resource. So I think there are a lot of things um, that people are trying to do to help stop this. Um, but that's why I was just so impressed at the conference that they had that. So, yeah, we got to look at puppies and kittens, and for the most part, everyone was happy at the conference, but it's certainly something, it's like an elephant in the room, I would say. Well, yeah, and for me and maybe maybe many other people listening, I had no idea. I feel so naive. I feel, like, shocked, and um, yeah. and, and in some ways... I'm embarrassed to say this, but in in some ways, like maybe I haven't been sensitive enough. Like you know, you go in as a no. I know you're you're my. You've always been my vet. You know what I mean for my pets or whatever. Yeah. So, like we we're lucky because we have a really good you know relationship back and forth. But like I guess I never really thought about that. You know, like I I think okay. We're, Getting everybody to the vet, and I just want to make sure it's you know because when I go, I bring a whole zoo with me, okay? Because there's a lot of pets, so I know that you know if I'm going to be running late, I know that's going to cause stress for everybody else because they plan all these different dogs and cats to show up, you know, from Kathy's truck, <laughs> her whole <laughs> animal family there. It's not quite that bad, pet appreciators, but you know what I mean. So, like, but I, I guess I never thought about. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm going there to have my pets taken care of without any sort of thought on what anybody else might be thinking or feeling, you know, that day. And what a good reminder to just kind of like think about it. And and like you said, you know, the frustration. I mean, I guess I've known this, but I've never heard you put it in these words and it makes more sense. It goes deeper in my mind and my heart and my soul when you talked about, you know, you go to school to learn all these different things. And every day you go to work, you want to put it into practice and you want to give them the best that you can. And you want to be able to, you know, apply the the research and the knowledge and the medicine and the surgery or whatever, you know, to really bring out the very best quality of life. And how some people just kind of blow it off. And, yeah, um, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I guess I haven't thought about it from that perspective even though we've talked a lot about it it's just kind of deeper you know now for me and you know I don't know how other people are interpreting this you know as they're listening but it makes me think a lot and when you first brought it up Dr. Nicole you know my mind went went into a a, you know right away I was like shocked and I was like well I wonder why that is you know and and right away I thought well I wonder if it's you know, predominantly more in certain areas of the country. And the reason why I thought about that is because Minnesota is such a, um, you know, we get every rescue. I mean, I, pet appreciators, I'm serious. I've had my business for oh, a little over 20 years. And when I first started, every dog was from Minnesota. And now it's like, I can't find a client who was adopted from Minnesota, who has a dog from Minnesota. You know what I mean? Most of them yeah. come from all over the country. And there's been times, and especially through the work with Petapalooza and stuff, where I've wondered, you know, are, I don't want to say, are we as a state a dumping ground for, for rescue dogs? I don't mean that in any way. So don't take words out of my mouth, anybody, but um, or misconstrue what I'm saying. But we as a state do a phenomenal amount with rescue. I mean, we're sort of like the go-to state in many ways. And um, just because there's so many rescues and we're so, you know, the rescues here are so good at being rescues. Um, But I just, you know, my mind thought, well, gosh, I wonder if it's just sort of overload, you know, that everybody's working so much. and There's so many animals to place. And there's, you know, just because there's we seem to have such a huge influx from all over the country. But. Number one, I don't necessarily have all the facts to back that up. It just seems to be what my reality and my observations are. And um, I don't know if that's really what, what you know, that, that's just, it sounds like it's more just one component of the stresses of being a veterinarian. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that maybe plays a little role, absolutely, and probably more so for, 
you know, any veterinarian who works heavily with those dogs, you know, just adding more to their plate. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I primarily, at least in, in my own opinion and in talking with colleagues, the things that are the hardest are, are the people who aren't very nice. You, you know what I mean? And that's so sad, but, or they're not, you know, they don't, they don't do, in our opinion, what they should be doing. That's the hardest. That is the hardest every single day. You know, someone coming in and their dog has a treatable problem, but they won't treat it because they don't feel that they should spend that money on a dog. They even have the money. They just don't feel like they should spend that amount of money on a dog. And so to me, that is just, well, I mean, for myself and for you and for probably a lot of people listening, it just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But it's one thing. And then you have another family who they want so badly to treat their dog, but they don't have the money because they might have a big family. You know, and that's, that's just the heartbreaking part is you have people who have the money but don't feel like they should do it because it's a dog or a cat when there's another side of the population who would do anything in their power if they could have the money to do those things. So it's just like an up and down all day long, you never know what you're going to get type of situation. Um, and I, I love days when I see, like I have so many of my like people who re- will request me because it's usually a good day. It's like happy people who do what, you know, do what they should <laughs> in a way. Um, and so I know that my job, I'm going to be able to use my brain and use, you know, the, the tools that I was taught, um, you know, to treat those animals and to, and to keep them around for longer. But yeah, it's, it's, it is hard. It is really hard. And I think the, and I so- the long hours. Yeah. Yes, long hours. I so appreciate you sharing that. Uh, more to come, pet yeah. appreciators. Please stay with us. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists. Warner Stellion. Hi, Gregory Rich, founder and chief at Habitation Furnishing and Design, and now I'd like to invite you to kill your Sunday evenings with me right here on AM 950 with Drink in the Style. It's a one-hour-long conversation about interior design, art, architecture, and pretty much anything else, visual and aesthetic, all while enjoying some booze handcrafted by our friends at Gianni's Steakhouse in downtown Wyzetta. Can you think of a better way to spend Sunday evenings? Drink in the Style, Sundays. 5 p.m. Total Dog Company is the destination dog food and gear store on the west side of the Twin Cities with easy access off of 169. We have a growing group of loyal customers and increasing numbers of referrals from dog professionals and dog parents because we carry quality products, give sound advice, and are easy to do business with. Total Dog Company keeps up on the latest developments in dog nutrition and products. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. Next time on Philosophy Talk, affirmative action. Too little or too much? Affirmative action breaks down structures of white privilege. Sowing backlash and resentment in the process. We can't let a little resentment close the doors of opportunity. Affirmative action may open doors for some, but it slams them shut for others. Affirmative action. Too little or too much? Next time on Philosophy Talk. Philosophy Talk. Every Sunday at 8 a.m. and again at 2 p.m. on AM 950. The Blue Wave finally happened. Hey, it's Brett from the Minnesota Progressive Repartee, and I think it's time we have a reparty about all our hard work with the Blue State Ball on Saturday, March 2nd at the Blaisdale in Minneapolis. I'll be there along with my co-hosts Hunter and Doug, and so will Matt McNeil, Ellie Krug, and our headliner Tom Hartman, with more sure to be added. So let's celebrate the Blue Wave with the 2019 Blue State Ball. Again, that's Saturday, March 2nd at the Blaisdale in Minneapolis. Tickets at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. 
Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion radio show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Thanks for sticking with us, pet appreciators, and thanks for staying with us here or joining us on a, on a very cold Sunday at, uh, Sunday morning here. I hope you're cozy and warm, and I hope your pets are safe and inside. And um, in a little while, Dr. Nicole will go over some of the frostbite warnings and, and that kind of thing here. I promise that we'll get to that before the end of the show. My mind is still reeling, though, Dr. Nicole. Um, it's going to be on my mind a lot from what you were talking about in terms of veterinarians having a, a fairly significant high rate of, of suicide. I just wasn't expecting that. And um, I feel so naive, but I just want to be, you know, listening to you and, and what they were saying with the research. I just want to be a better person because of it and a more sensitive person because of it. And um, yeah, it's just going to take a while for all that to sort of sink in. But before we get into the frostbite, I am still very curious um, getting back to you know, the, the conference that you were at, you know, I, one of my, my new year's resolutions, Dr. Nicole was to just try whenever I can to be more aware of research going on in the, in the veterinarian field, studies that are being done, studies that possibly my own clients could participate in. Um, and so my, my question to you is, was there any sort of major breakthrough on any medical level in terms of the veterinarian field or or st- unique studies being done or right now this particular time you know was it more sort of things are going fairly well nothing really breakthrough but but there's a lot of fine tuning of some of the treatments fine tuning of the medicine what where are we at with that well it, it's I, for me uh, you know I'm definitely not. Um, I guess I don't, in my daily, day-to-day life, I don't have a lot of time to um, to look into any of that, unfortunately. Um, it always ends up coming up if I'm researching something. So, you know, if I'm looking at a dog that I just diagnosed with this type of cancer, um, I usually will consult with an oncologist, and they're going to be the ones that will say, well, there's a new study, you know, going on about this. Um, or there's a study here, you know, that, you know, we could get the dog into or whatever, you know, so I can't, there's just, there's studies on like every topic and even every topic that you can break down into further topics there's studies on. So I can't really say, you know, anything that, um, you know, is, is really like life changing that I learned or anything like that. Um, but I mean, certainly any lecture I went to referenced a study, whether it was an old study or a study that was recent you know, or updates that there are new studies happening. Um, and it could be just a study on, um, you know, what dose of this medication you give to treat this and this on this, you know. So um, I can't really say that there's any one thing that I really took away from the conference on anything really big like that. But, um, you know, certainly looking at the, the university sites maybe would be a good place because there's always going to be, well, there should always be, I think, a kind of a research um, tab where they might list, like, current ongoing studies. Like, for a while, you know, they were doing a study on um, the Westies, you know, they, with their um, affiliation to, to get certain pulmonary or lung issues. And so you could send in blood from your Westie, and they were doing studies and things like that. But, you know, there's always going to be stuff like that happening. You probably just need to look more at university sites because um, I just unfortunately wouldn't be the best resource for that. What are the major uh, veterinarian universities where they, you know, they would have a, you know, uh, you know, where you would get your degree? What are those? Is Iowa yeah. U of M? So, yeah, and I think you know the University of Wisconsin Madison. I think is a big one. Um, UC Davis, you know, in California. You know, I think all of those different places. Um, any of the, the veterinary teaching hospital websites is what I would probably look at. Um, and they should always be having studies going on. So it might not be anything that's clinical with clinical relevance, but, um, you know, even just as an aside, I joined a couple mega esophagus Facebook groups just because of Petri. Cause sometimes I think it's really nice to, um, even as a veterinarian, I'm learning so much from these people who have had dogs with mega esophagus their whole lives. 
And so I joined those groups, and even there, there was a study a study link where they were collecting samples um, from dogs that were diagnosed with mega esophagus, um, not dogs like Petrie, because Petrie had mega esophagus or has mega esophagus due to his um, issue that he had with the tissue wrapped around his heart. So he wouldn't be eligible for the study. They actually have to be dogs that were either born with it or, you know, they came down or they acquired it later in life. Um, but I thought that was cool that even in those specialized groups, which you'd probably find for any breed with their designated issues, there's sometimes there will be study links in those groups. So I don't know the best place to find like all the answers, but I think your a first start would be looking at the the websites for any of the veterinary teaching hospitals. All right, and we don't ha- we have just about three minutes left, and I know I know most of our listeners that are extremely sharp and informed. Um, but it never hurts going into a terrible cold situation, what to do to, you know, be aware of frostbite, what to prepare for, um, especially if you're going on a, on a road trip or, you know, because you may know a whole lot, but maybe you're taking your dog out in the backyard and suddenly the door shuts behind you and doggone it, you're locked out. I mean, just or you're just going to the grocery store. That's it. Three minutes away. Probably not. Probably five or more. But you know what I mean? Like suddenly, boom, your car doesn't start. You know, that kind of thing? Yep. All right. So I'll just, yeah. Oh, as far as precautions, my biggest thing is just to keep them inside um, and just let them out for short little potty breaks. Um, You know, if you have, the hardest part are people who have these big breeds that enjoy being outside. They're crazy. (laughs) They like being outside in this, you know, like the the Huskies and the Great Pyrenees and the St. Bernards and, you know, these dogs that you have to beg to come inside. So you ha- you almost have to treat them like a Labrador who will not stop swimming. You know, you have to kind of intervene and be like, no, this is enough now. It's time to come in. Um, certainly using booties and jackets and things like that I think are important, um, but mainly just bringing them in and um, just letting them for short periods of time I think is the best thing that you can do until it warms up a little here. Right, right, right. Any, um, just in the last minute here, Dr. Nicole, if they are out a little bit too long, or say your dog gets out and uh, you find the dog, you know, 15 minutes later, you know, three blocks away or whatever, what are the things that you want to look for right away to determine if you need to take the dog or the cat into the vet? Well, I think any prolonged limping or pain um, could indicate, you know, that there's something going on, like the start of a frostbite situation, and then just monitoring them closely. If they're not acting normal, get them in. Um, You never want to rub their paws. You just want to put them on a warm blanket in a warm room and just let them kind of readjust to the temperatures, let their body readjust. Um, Maybe even some lukewarm water, you know, something like that. and just watch them close. If there's anything that's abnormal, just get them in. Sometimes, you know, signs of frostbite are actually quite delayed. So you just want to watch them closely for any signs of pain or that anything else is not Dis- right with them. Discoloration or anything like that? Yep, yep. Anything like that, any tissue that feels hard or crusty after a few days. Um, absolutely. You know, the ear tips, you know, tips of the tails. Um, their paws, their pads, you know, the tip of their nose, things like that. Those are all places that um, we can see frostbite set in. Pet appreciators, we're ending uh, the show here for this week, but we'll be back next week. I'm not sure if Dr. Nicole is on. She'll uh, let me know which days she can she can join us. But word for the day, safety. Uh, not only for our pets, but for you as well, pet appreciators. Take good care as we enter tundra, tri- tundra, tr- tundra time here in Minnesota. Take good care, everybody.